Have you thought of building some kind of subscription or membership model? Perhaps you're a consultant, someone with expertise. Maybe you've written a book or not, but you've got some knowledge and you think people will pay for it, not on a one-off basis, like some kind of keynote or a training session, but on a regular monthly basis. And this is what we call ARR or MRR, annual recurring revenue or monthly recurring revenue. It basically means that there is a recurring revenue stream whereby people are paying for access to some product or service or even you. My guest this week on the show is Robbie Kalman-Baxter, author of The Forever Transaction. And today we're going to explain or discuss the value in having a subscription or a membership model. If this is something you've thought of, like me, this is going to be very, very valuable. This is the Training Business Podcast. And welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett Hayes. Hey, welcome to the Training Business Podcast. This is the weekly show for self-employed consultants, trainers, coaches, facilitators around the world. And the focus of this show, every single episode, is on the business of you making money from your programs, your courses, books, keynotes, workshops, everything that you've accumulated in the form of experience and knowledge, and maybe intellectual property. But something else you may not have thought of yet is some kind of membership model or subscription, something which people are willing to pay for on a recurring basis. And this is something which many of us should be thinking of if we want to have some kind of business which we can sell to other people. Why would someone buy your business? Because there is a business, there are revenue streams, they're predictable and they're regular. And I've made loads of mistakes. I'm a self-employed trainer, a coach, a business owner or a co-business owner and a published author. I've made loads of mistakes and I love having people on the show to share theirs and their successes, of course. And every Thursday, without fail, there is an episode of this podcast to help you wherever you are on this journey of making money from your knowledge and experience. Please click on follow or subscribe because this notifies you of great episodes as they come out. It costs absolutely nothing and takes only a couple of seconds. Robbie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I came across your profile and I thought I have to have you on the show because you describe yourself as advisor to the world's leading subscription-based companies. And um, when I think of, of the way to build a great business, there has to be some way to find a recurring revenue stream. Let's start with what you mean by value through subscription, and then we'll talk about the different kinds of membership models that you uh, recommend. Sure. You know, I, I got my start in the world of subscriptions with Netflix as my first subscription client. Um, I had worked in what today is called as a service, software as a service prior to that as a product manager. Uh, but it was really when I was working with Netflix that I started to understand the value of a subscription model. And it's not just the recurring revenue, which is what a lot of people see as the value of subscription, but it's the way that having a subscription product, a product that is priced as a subscription, forces you as a business owner to think differently um, and to focus on the lifetime value of that customer and the long-term relationship of that customer, which 
when it's done well, unlocks value on on both sides for the for the customer and for the the organization. What if someone says, you know, I'm a consultant. I um I do business on a project basis. I don't need a subscription, or I can't see the value of having a subscription revenue stream. Yeah. So when I started working with subscriptions, it's it's been 20, 22 years now that I have been focused on this. Uh, pretty much everybody said that. You know, I'm an X, so obviously subscriptions don't work for me. I'm a retailer. Uh, I'm a uh, a television station. I'm a manufacturer of uh, fitness equipment. Uh, this couldn't possibly work for me. Uh, all of the professional services providers and certainly all of the solopreneurs said, you know, either this is too complicated for me or I'm too complicated for it, meaning I have, you know, bespoke services. Um, but what we're seeing both at, in the in the big public companies and, you know, big companies like, you know, Bain, which has a net promoter loyalty forum, which is subscription-based cons- consulting, basically, um, all the way down to, you know, solopreneurs, uh, individuals that are, that are running, you know, bespoke consultancies, um, is if you focus on the long-term goal of your your customers, your clients, that makes them come to you in the first place, you can probably optimize your offering for that. It's it's really about how you package value. And if what I have is my expertise, I can package that in a lot of different ways. I can package that as a book. I can package that as a course. I can package that as a workshop. Um, I can probably package that as a job inside a corporation. Right, you know, a lot of these people can go back to work um, in 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 corporate uh, environments. Uh, I can package that as a subscription. So, if you have deep expertise, one of the questions you should be asking yourself is, which of these packaging options should I use? And maybe even better, how do these different packaging options fit together in a way that creates a powerful business model? Uh, something that is self-sustaining, something that is more cost-effective, something where I can increase lifetime customer value at the same time as I'm growing my reach. And I'll tell you why this is sparking curiosity in my mind, because one of the guys um, I'll have on the show soon is a guy called James Schramko in Australia. And he's always evangelized having a subscription business, having a bunch of people who are regularly willing to spend 50, 60, or $49 a month. And he he switched early on in his career to, or being, I would say, talk round to the idea of having a subscription or a membership business. And since then, he's just really hooked on it. There are, however, still people who would say, well, I'll do a workshop. It's a once-off. I'll do a training. It's a once-off. How do I actually know what to put into a membership that would make people go, it's worth paying $49, $50 a month for whatever that price is? So I think, you know, I know James, he's a really smart guy. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the value for us as as business owners is recurring revenue. It's, uh, you know, predictable cash flow. It's revenue generating market research. So even if you're going to continue having your your workshops, um, your subscription business can actually be a way to really understand what is it that's most valuable about your offering, what keeps people longer, uh, what are emerging trends and problems that you can help with. So it can be, you can have a, a, a business model where you have more than one, you know, form of, form of service, but 
um, the value of subscriptions even by itself is is so great in terms of the 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 predictability, the leverage, um, and the the focus that it gives you. Let's say, I mean, I'll tell you why. If if we draw parallels, perhaps with me right now, so. While we're, I'll work with lots of software companies and I'll bring them through a program which I've developed, but I'm thinking in the back of my mind, if I were to offer them a subscription, what would have to be in it that would make them feel it's, you know, it's being refreshed or it's up to date or it's regular? And someone said to me, often that's what holds them back from having a membership model. They feel that their store is empty. No one's going to pay $50 a month because all that's in it is X. Is there a minimum threshold of content or products or something that makes a membership worthwhile to the buyer? So I think this is a huge misconception that okay. people have. Um, and, and here's the reason. You do need to have value worth paying for inside your subscription, but it doesn't have to be content. So for okay. example, it could be community, could be okay. access, could be emerging content. So for example, let's say that you're a trend watcher. Um you know, the value of the subscription is as something happens in the market, we we analyze it first, which means that you might come into the membership. There might not even be a website. It might just be an email, but that email might be incredibly valuable when it comes out. I, I have one company that I've worked with. They do um, local business news. They have a lot of different, um, you know, different mastheads all over the world. Um, but basically, it's it's local business news. And one of the things that they found is most valuable is if a new company moves into that market. Um, let's say you know Apple announces they're opening, uh, you know they've they've acquired or they've they've rented three buildings in downtown Austin or something, mm -hmm. right? There are a lot of people in Austin who would want to get that information first, right? All the accountants and lawyers and, you know, plant waterers and everything else that you would need and, and realtors who can get apartments for all the people that are going to move um, from headquarters. So that that content, even though it's, it's very small content, it's really valuable. Um, another example, uh, if you're training people, let's say, on sales, right, maybe what you're offering them is a way to continue using the principles that they've learned in the training. So a lot of times what happens in trainings is, you know, you're in the training, you're like, this is amazing. I'm going to change how I do everything. I'm going to remember all these things. I'm going to, every call, I'm going to go through my checklist. And then like three weeks later, you totally forget about it. Right. That's what true. if you had, what if, I, I, I know, I mean that this yeah. is why it's so important. So don't bother creating 400 new documents. Focus on what can I do to ensure that they actually use what they learned, right? One of the ways to ensure that somebody uses what they learned is to uh, en enlist them to teach other people. This is sort of counterintuitive, mm. but um, one great example, it's a little bit dated now, but Weight Watchers, uh, when they started, right, what's the goal? So, so in any case that you want to use subscription or membership, you want to start by stepping back and saying, what is the ongoing goal that this person, the customer is trying to achieve or the ongoing problem they're trying to solve? If their problem is one time or their goal, you know, is finite, it's probably not a great subscription business. But if they want to just be a great salesman or they want to lose weight and stay at the right weight for the rest of their life, that's a forever promise. And so while a lot of organizations focus on that first bit, like, you know, the workshop to teach you all the tools that you need to achieve your goals um, or the training to educate you about the problems you might encounter and how to avoid them. 
that's one step of helping them achieve their goals. But other things you can do is ensure that they use those principles every day. So what, what Weight Watchers does is when you achieve your goal weight, um, they put you on maintenance. And as long as you show up for a meeting once a month and weigh in, um, you don't have to ever pay again, as long as you stay in your goal weight, like within three, three mm. uh, pounds. And so, you know, suddenly, A, it's, it's a forever promise, right? I'm going to keep coming back forever, not just for the six months while I'm aggressively trying to lose my baby weight or whatever it is, um, but I'm going to stay on it. And then what they do, which is really, I thought was so brilliant, is that they invite people who've successfully made it through the maintenance period to become instructors themselves and lead groups. And they don't pay them very much, like let's call it 20 bucks, right? It's uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's maybe enough to cover your parking, right? Uh, to, to go to the meeting. But the reason that people do it is number one, prestige, because you're recognized by people going through this very hard journey as a success story, which feels amazing. But also, um, if I spend an hour every week telling you why you should prepare at the beginning of each week and look at what your week has and say, oh, you know, on Thursday, I'm going out for drinks with my colleagues. I'm likely to have too many drinks and then order French fries. um, And that's not good. How am I going to prepare for that? Or on Saturday, I'm going to visit my grandma and she's going to make her famous cake and she's going to cry if I don't eat it. How do I prepare for that? Right. You know, you're supposed to do it, but then of course you forget. And then there you are at grandma's and the big piece of cake is on. You're like, what the heck? I'll just eat it. If you're teaching someone to do that every week, you're way more likely to do it yourself. So you're actually continuing to achieve your forever goal. So these are all things that are really valuable and aren't expensive, and none of them require new content. That's the important thing. And too many organizations invest all this money in content, stick it in a repository somewhere, and hang out their shingle and say, now we have a subscription. And most people never use it. Yeah, people, I know that because I've had that voice in my head. I'll only have some kind of um, membership. I may not use that word, but I'll have some kind of membership when I have this library of videos or PDFs and PDFs and X and Y. And it becomes this huge shop of horrors in my mind. And I'm looking at an empty shelf and thinking, why would someone pay me $50 a month when there's nothing in there? And I have this feeling of uh, guilt, but secondly, fear that, I'm not the person who can create all this content. So that's a great thing you've you've perhaps realigned in our minds is that we don't necessarily have to have content. It could just be access to things. Um, uh, or people. It could be access people. to people, yeah. right? You could point. say yeah. it's a community, right? And here yeah. are other people on the same journey. And I am going to create a, a safe and facilitated space for you to share best practices. I'm going to, and by a safe space, I mean, you're going to, uh, make sure there are no trolls, that people speak to each other with respect. You're going to seed the community with provocative questions. Um, you're going to comment if someone's making a suggestion that you know won't work so that there, it's not like anybody who comments is equally valuable. Mm. You're going to recognize people who contribute well and give them status in the community. That could be really valuable. And for that, there's some care and feeding early on, but at a certain point, you know, the tree starts to take root and there's not a lot that you have to do to keep it going. I would like to think that. And um, yeah, James is an interesting guy because I was part of his, uh, one of his subscription models for a while. And I, to some degree, I didn't know where to begin because there was so much stuff in there. So there's, um, yeah, I guess there are extremes where there's nothing in the cupboard and there's just so much in the cupboard, you can't pick something to wear. Um, 
For people listening, then, they may not have heard this term before, MRR and ARR. And someone said to me, it's a bit like um, compound interest. When you can get something coming in automatically each month, that stream of passive income, or in sales lingo, uh, monthly recurring revenue, this is the ticket to building a valuable business. Um, what would you say to people who aren't convinced about the effort required to build ARR and MRR? In terms of being a business owner, yeah. Well, there's there's a couple of things. One of them is if you ever plan to sell your business, um, it's recurring revenue. Uh, and, and by the way, MRR monthly recurring revenue, ARR annual recurring revenue. It's how much money you're basically, you know, contractually, you know, how much how much money is coming in that is based on a subscription where the the person who's subscribed has said, keep charging me every month until I tell you to stop or keep charging me every year until I tell you to stop. Um, And so so the first thing to keep in mind is that if you're selling your business, it's usually valued, you know, the potential buyer is going to value it based on some multiple of your earnings, right? How much value does this business machine create? You know, if it creates, you know, $100 a year, um, maybe I'll pay $500 for it and it will pay off in five years, right? Um, that that number of years that you're willing to let it pay off, that, that you know, how many X is different if your revenue is subscription-based versus if it's transactional-based. So that person you described who's the expert consultant and everything is, is bespoke, that person's revenue is not going to get as high. If they make a million dollars a year, that's going to be valued, let's say, at two or three times earnings versus, you know, if you have half a million dollars of ARR, that might be valued at 10x. So they might be equally equally valuable to a buyer or even, you know, the distinction might be different. And that's a great point because I think one of the things, I mean, you and I are in, uh, looking at LinkedIn here, we're part of the consultants network. And I think many consultants are guilty of this, putting my hand up here. We don't think of the exit strategy. We don't think of selling the business because we are the business. And uh, I am something, something, and associates. So I think of myself as being the business. But if I go to sell it and I'm not in it, then people may not value it. Whereas what you're saying here is that if we can think of building income streams, which do not need us to exchange our dollars for time, our euros for time, that's going to be more attractive to a buyer. And if we think of exiting from the business, someone said to me recently, I think it was... um, a professor of consulting um, in in the UK, he said, uh, when you are selling, let's say, a consultancy business or a training business, it's about two or three times X. Um, but when you sell, let's say, something which is more consultancy focused, it's a bit higher still. When you sell something with a community and software attached to it, then the Xs go right up. You, you could be looking at um, 13, 14, 15 X. And of course. For people listening, they might think, what is this X thing? Well, um, you can explain this, Robbie, but better than I can, I'm sure. But uh, it, it's really the, the precise potential of your business. What is someone actually buying? They're not just buying you. They're buying all that revenue streams coming in. And when you buy a business that has a software like an app, you're a training business owner or a consultant or a coach with an app, and you have a community and a membership stream and a series of pieces of intellectual property that a buyer wants, that's a far more valuable uh, acquisition. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So so a couple of really important things. Number one, let's say I went to buy this person you described who's 
you know, doing a million euros of revenue a year um, offering consulting, right? Would I even want to buy that? Well, what am I buying? Um, I might be buying their their list of contacts and their the past history of who's bought what um, so that maybe I can try to sell them on my consulting. Um, I can try to say, you know, you need to come with the business and you need to continue doing your magic consulting uh, working for me and you'll get a salary. But there's always a risk that once the person is no longer the owner, they're not going to work very hard or they're not going to be very motivated. Um, so buying somebody else's smarts or somebody else's arms and legs for a period of time is not as valuable as saying, take what's in your brain, you know, put it out there and I'm buying that, right? I'm buying your products or, you know, the the ownership of your products, the brand you've built, you know, all of that. And all of that is before you even think about subscription. When you when you layer in subscription, then you say, and it's passive and it's predictable. And you mm-hmm. can estimate better what the future is going to look like so you can more thoughtfully invest. Um, if you know the value of a customer when they come in, so there's a, there's a, there's a metric really valuable in the world of subscription. Um, it's a, a lifetime value. Uh, customer lifetime value, yeah. Customer, yeah. well, it's customer lifetime value over cost of acquisition. Yeah. So people ask all the time, you know, how much is it, you know, worth to pay for a new customer, right? And the answer is, it depends. If your new customer is going to pay you three euros and disappear, it's worth very little. If your customer is going to pay you three euros a day for the next 50 years, and you're confident of that, that if I get them for one day, I've got them for 50 years, um, like a newspaper, for example, uh, which used to be, you know, once we get them in, they don't, they don't look for alternatives. They choose how they get their news and they're going to continue subscribing forever. It's worth a lot of money. That's why, you know, people used to get toasters when they, you know, opened bank accounts. Right? That's right. It's worth <laughs> it to give them something really valuable or why, you know, when, when you, um, you know, when you're on vacation and you, they want you to go hear about a timeshare, which is basically a, a, a subscription, right? You go hear about the timeshare you know, they'll give you, you know, a free breakfast and they might give you 20% off the entire bill of your vacation, right? Why are they doing that? Because they know if you come once, you're going to stay for 20 years. And this ratio, you know, a good steady state ratio is three to one. So for every euro you spend, you should be confident that you're getting three euros back over the lifetime of that customer. Um, doesn't have to be that. So people ask me, like I, I have a client and they're getting five euros per euro that they spend. And one of the things we're working on there is educating their board that they have some room to invest. Like they could get down to three to one or even two to one and still be making enough money to cover their expenses, generate some profit, but they can grow. There's a much bigger market that they can reach if they're willing to spend more on acquisition right? Because they've maxed out all of the channels at this low price. So thinking about your business that way, it's almost like you have a machine. You you put the money in on one side and the money comes out on the other side. So that's really valuable to somebody who's thinking about buying your business versus this convoluted black box, which is, well, if I give them a good pitch on my consulting and we scope the right proposal, you know, we can get six figures. Um, that's That's very hard to sell. And in a sense, then, if we reverse engineer this, then we should be almost trying to build products and services which enable some kind of recurring revenue stream rather than building something and then figuring out how we can maybe, uh, you know, shoehorn that into some kind of membership. I'm just thinking that out loud here. 
if, if I realize what other consultancies are doing, other trainers, other organizations, what are they built in the knowledge that this thing is uh, easily scaled or transformed into some kind of subscription? Yeah, absolutely. If, if, if you're starting today, if your listeners, if some of them are just getting started, something we're thinking about is to say, okay, what is the value that I can provide? What is my, my expertise? What are my unique, you know, what is my unique selling proposition or, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the value that I have? And how, what is the need of my ideal member? Who can get the most value from me that is willing to pay for it? Right. That's your best customer. And then saying, how can I package my value in such a way that I get that person to their ongoing outcome with the greatest likelihood? And then you start to get into the world of subscription, right? Because you're thinking about not just today giving them a, like most consulting and most uh, training is just giving them a little burst. They get, a, mm. they're a little bit faster. They're moving a little bit now, yeah. but you're saying, if I'm going to help them forever, think about LinkedIn, right? How we kind of got to know each other, right? LinkedIn said, you know, we're going to, we're going to help people thrive in their careers. That's a long time, right? People start working, you know, often in, you know, while they're still in school and they keep working. Some people work till they die, right? But 50, 60 years, um, that's a nice long runway. Uh, And then thinking about it that way and saying, okay, over that 50 year period, what do you need to thrive in your career? And the first thing they said is, well, let's look at the people most willing to pay, which are recruiters, salespeople, and people looking for a job. Right. So they optimized subscriptions for those groups. Then they said, oh, we've got all these other people who are here for free, who are basically the product for those three groups. What can we offer them to help them thrive in their career? Because they also want to thrive in their career. And that's where they came up with LinkedIn Learning. They bought lynda.com, which is a learning, you know, a learning catalog. Um, And so now everybody has something that they can subscribe to to optimize for the length of their career. There's just so much to to um, take on board here. The, the the key message is that we're in a business. We're not a, in a hobby. This is a, the training business podcast. So it's focused on generating sales. And one desirable way to generate sales is to do so on a consistent basis from people who find value what you do want to pay for it regularly. And um, I know there are some things I subscribe to. One of them is LinkedIn. Um, whether it's value for money, I'm not sure yet, but LinkedIn learning certainly is. And I'm thinking of all the times when I, without, without reflecting, just see money leave my account each month. It's far easier to do that than someone to present me with a bill for say $2,000 a year. If someone thinking of your book here, uh, the forever transaction, if someone wants to start off and maybe go through a series of exercises to think through their options and what they should be doing and what they should not be doing, uh, where's a good place to start? Well, I, I map this out in the the first section of the forever transaction, which is you okay. know I call that section launch, um, but it's 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 <laughs> creative title. Um, it's launch scale lead. So you know, first thing is how do I even figure out what my subscription offering is and what the value proposition is, what the forever promise is, and who my ideal member is, and that's kind of a little dance, and I can walk you through that. And then the next step is scale, which is, okay, I figured this out. How do I blow it up? How do I make it big? How do I make it work by itself? And how do I take myself out of it? And then the last part is lead, which is how do I continue? Like you were saying at the beginning, how do I continue to evolve it to make sure that I maintain product market fit, make sure that it stays relevant, even in changing economic conditions or market mm-hmm. conditions. So to answer your question, you're just getting started. 
You're saying, I want some of that good subscription revenue. Where do I start? First thing is to say, who are my best customers? And what is my forever promise that I can make to them? And a forever promise is a promise. If you stick with me, I can help you achieve X ongoing goal or solve X ongoing problem, right? So you want to think differently. And and sometimes that's just hard. Like uh, if you, you know, if you run a clothing store, you know, your forever promise might be you always look professional Mm. or you always look stylish, which is different, right? Or, you know, you always know what the latest trends are, right? And different shoppers would have different goals. You know, three people can walk in and buy the same white blouse, but for very different reasons. So you have to say, well, who is the customer I can really serve best and where I'm differentiated? So sometimes that's a little bit, you know, you're kind of going around in circles. One easy way to do this, if you've already got a a going concern, you already have a business like this consultant we talked about, you might say, when I think about all of my customers who I know, all of my clients, who are the ones that want more, that come back, that get the most value from me and are probably most willing to pay me a lot? The ones that would say, if you had, if you would do more for me, I would pay you more. Start with them and say, what is their forever problem? And then say to yourself, how would I solve that if I were going to solve that fully? If that were my mom, if that were my best friend, what are all the things I can do? Well, I can connect them to other people with that problem because I know who else is like them. I can call them every morning and remind them to use the principles we talked about. Um, I can tell them when I see something new in the market that might be useful to them. Right? You start to call these things. You say, those are going to be the features for my offering. Right? And in the beginning, you only need to get a few subscribers right, to get proof of concept. Um, first thing that you would do is show them what you're thinking of offering them. So you don't actually have to build it out, but you say, if I offered you something that had these features and it was priced, you know, number one, if I offered you some of these features, would you be interested? Why or why not? And you hear what they have to say. And then you say, what if I'm charging 10, 10 euros a month? And people, okay, this is an important note. People lie, right? People will look you in the face and say, I would pay $10. I would even pay $20 right? And then if you say to them, here's how you, you, you know, if they're telling, I say, great. So if you would pay $20, I was really only looking for $10 and um, I'm going to be building this. Can I get you to commit to $8 right now? And I'll guarantee you that lower price forever should be an easy sale, right? Cause you just told me you would do it for sure. And then they say, oh, well, well, actually, I, I just, I meant it was a great deal for someone, but not me because <laughs> X, Y, Z. And then yeah. that's where you get your information, but that's where you start. And none of that is very expensive, right? It's, it's conversations. It's a, it's a literally, it could just be as simple as a write-up of your benefits. Um, and that's going to get you, you pretty far before you ever, and then before you actually build something and code it in, See if you can do it through like what I call a concierge experience, right? If it's, you know, if you're going to have a community, maybe it's a live community. It's a Zoom call once a week that you facilitate. But you know, when you start getting critical mass for that Zoom thing, you're going to just drop them into, you know, an online community where they find each other. Um, But as a starting point, you do it yourself with an idea toward here's what I do when I get to the scale phase. It is enticing, I have to say, the thought of having that revenue stream coming in, people paying without much thought, 
X amount per month. Um, before we wrap up, I want to ask you a question about the difference between a retainer, which is what I would often use with clients, a subscription and a membership model. Are they different things, retainers, subscriptions, membership models? Yeah. So, so the first thing I would say is that anytime you're talking about language, um, it's, it's most important that you and the person you're talking to are speaking the same language. Mm-hmm. So these distinctions can be valuable inside your organization. So if you're thinking we're going to, like, um, for example, Inspirado, which is a, a vacation company, they have a subscription and they have a membership. The membership, um, you pay an annual fee. It's not too high. And that gives you permission to buy nights at their properties, right? Almost like Costco. So, you know, you pay up front. And that gives you permission or access to these discounted, hard-to-access properties. They also have a subscription, which allows you to pay a fee per year, and you get unlimited access to their sites. So you can stay here for three days, and then there for three days, and then somewhere else. And that you know, and so for them, that's the difference. Um, other people think of membership as including community. And subscription as ah, including true. just uh, you know features that that don't include um, any kind of interaction, um, but but what I think is most important is that you think about what you're offering. Retainer, right? I could say you have subscription access t- to me uh, once a month. Um, I have a group uh, like I have office hours, and only my members on retainer are invited. And uh, when you're on retainer, that means you can call me anytime with a one-off question. Right. Some people say, well, that feels like a retainer. Um, but for me, that's my membership or my, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Same, same issue comes up in, you know, car companies now are offering, uh, subscriptions. Um, an example is Porsche drive. Uh, you have access to a Porsche at all times. So you might say, well, this month I want an SUV because I'm spending a lot of time in the mountains. But next month I'll be in the city and I want to, you know, drive a, you know, a smaller car uh, or I'm going to be out on the highway and I want a chance to see what that baby can do and how fast it can go. So I want one of their coupes. Um, so some people would say, well, it, but I'm paying and it's kind of like a lease or Volvo has a model that looks like a lease where it's, it's a single car. You're paying a subscription every few years. They give you a new one. If it breaks, you know, they replace it. Um, so that you don't have to be without, and all of your costs are rolled into one fixed monthly price. Some people say that feels an awful lot like a lease, um, and in it that case, like it's a lease, legal yeah. issue. It's, yeah. but, but the you know their differences are yeah. you know the the terms and the commitment that you're making because you can get out of it at any time. So you know sometimes the different language is based on legalities right? What you're legally allowed to say. Sometimes it's just based on what you inside your company want to call different things. Sometimes it's just marketing. So the Guardian, uh, one of the things that they learned, which I found really interesting, is that people wanted to be supporters, not members. That's right. Good point. the The word member to them implied that you would know that I'm a Guardian reader, uh, you, my neighbor, maybe I don't want you to know that. Uh, and you would uh, know what I think, um, and I would have to talk to you. Um, but I want to support the guardian. I just don't want to be all palsy walsy with everybody else, right? Um, I and and the reason that I'm giving the money is because I don't necessarily need to go to your events. I want to support your journalism. So sometimes it's important. Same thing in the world of healthcare. Yes. Um, there's a lot of you know what I would think of as membership 
economy businesses, the name of my, my first book, Membership Economy, but they don't want to call their patients members. The patients say, I like being called a patient because actually I want to continue seeing healthcare professionals, right? This is not a club for me. This is my healthcare provider. So when you start using words like member or subscriber, I worry that you're thinking of me as a revenue stream and not as somebody who needs healthcare. So it sounds like a play in words, but it's not. It's what you're saying makes sense. It's it's describing where people see themselves, yeah. and what they think they're ac- accessing. And and something you said actually struck a chord with me, which is the difference between subscription uh, and membership. Subscription sounds like we're accessing things. Membership sounds like we've access to people. It sounds like I'm part of a community, which again, from a a buyer's perspective, is very valuable. If you're a consultant, a, a member, or a founder of some. Um, website with uh, regular subscribers or members and your brand as a consultant, author, coach, speaker comes with the community, it's far more attractive to uh, to buyers, potential buyers, because it's got all that uh, juicy revenue stream. People who are in that community and talking to each other and sharing things. Uh, but that's a whole different thing, isn't it, in itself, um, the community model. Um there's so much we could talk about here, but I'm really glad we did, Robbie. So where can people find out more about you and um, your books, your podcast? Uh, RobbieKillmanBaxter.com uh, is the, is, I, that's where everything is. My books, uh, my podcast, my, uh, you know, all the articles I've written and information about how to work with me. Um, if you go to RobbieKillmanBaxter.com slash audience, uh, I have some goodies for you, for your, for your audience. Um uh, access to some process visuals, uh, a, uh, a white paper that I that I wrote on how to how to launch a subscription business. Um, so that might be might be helpful for for some people as well. And if people want to work with you, then as as clients, same thing. Same thing. Yeah, right. there's Fantastic. information. I've worked with over a hundred companies of all sizes um, and across pretty much every industry that are trying to build what what I call, you know, back to this language, a member relationship with the people they serve, meaning they're committed to them for the long term and are hoping and designing with the expectation that those customers become, you know, members as well, treat them like it's a it's a forever, a forever relationship. Yes, I'm looking forward to doing that uh, very shortly as well. I might be talking to you about that. <laughs> Robbie, it's been wonderful having you on the show. Thank you so much for being my guest today, today on the podcast. Oh, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. My huge thanks to Robbie Kelman Baxter for being my guest this week on the show. And you can find out more about Robbie by visiting her LinkedIn profile. And that's simply Robbie Kelman Baxter. Her name, of course, all links from today's episode will be on www.trainingbusiness.com. Robbie's website is robbiekelmanbaxter.com. And if you head over there, you can find out details about her podcast, about her books, two books, in fact, The Forever Transaction and The Membership Economy, and the services, including speaking, consulting, and mentoring. And again, all links will be provided over in the show notes to this week's episode of the Training Business Podcast. That's it for this week. Thank you again for your listenership. Thanks for listening and for telling other people about the show. We know this is happening. I've seen plenty of reshares online. Please click on follow, subscribe, 
or whichever button hooks you up to be notified of great episodes as they come out every single week. My team, Sam, Joe, James, Turul, Ignacy and Christina, and I appreciate your loyalty and your time, and we'd love you to come back again next week. Until then, keep going. Bye for now. once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. See you next time.